0: plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes
1: and fees may vary
0: middle stack for Greenway Benson scores it's a preseason Zach attack and the Sabres have taken a 2-1 lead that was pretty This has got to be just another moment for the vibes team, the Sabers, and Zach Benson, of course, being one of the bigger bright spots that you've seen all throughout the preseason. Like, yeah, Connor Bedard has all the uh, all the fanfare, but he gets tripped up in shootouts. You know who doesn't get tripped up like that? Zach Benson. Zach Benson just scores goals, puts up points for the Sabers in preseason action, and earning himself a at least a nine game stay with the Buffalo Sabres, including on opening night on Thursday against the New York Rangers. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer, Tanner Saunders, we're here with you for the next couple of hours, and it's going to be, I will be so excited to see Zach Benson, but not just Zach Benson. Obviously, it's the shiny new toy of this Sabres team, but I am also excited to see how they respond to the games when it's for real. It was not a pretty showing from what is basically the opening night roster um, without Kyle Oposo. It It wasn't a fun time last night, so to say. But at the same time, more times than not with preseason hockey, it is also about effort. And there are going to be plenty of times that they're not going to show a ton of it because of the fact that you see what happened, say, at the Prospects Challenge when Matt Savoy got himself hurt in the last game of the Prospects Challenge as well. I'm not saying that the Sabres didn't try. I am also going to not not say that because, well, I mean, you want to get into that game healthy, too. I Basically, it's don't look too much into a 7-4 to four loss against the Penguins in preseason. Don't look too deep into it. There's nothing too deep to look at. It's okay. And we've got a lot of fun, hopefully, for this Sabres squad coming into the new season I'm too excited. I've got my goat head jersey today. I love this Sabres squad with all sorts of offense still, all sorts of optimism. It's just, can the defense tidy up a little bit? Because last night was not a good sign. And it, the thing is, if they are the same Sabres as last year, that is still a team that threatened for a playoff spot and you just need a couple of days of defensive prowess or a little bit of better goaltending. And if they do the same thing as last year and get those results, you might make it. There's a decent chance at it. But now the question becomes what happens if they don't. And now, as fun as the Sabres have been, this is a year where it's time for them to step up. It is time for them to really make that push. I don't need the perpetual rebuild that the Detroit Red Wings are going through. You already have the longest playoff drought. Now's the time. Smash it. Break it open, get yourselves going, and push through. And maybe that comes with a little bit more youth in the pipeline here. But this is a team that, this is your squad going in. I do love that Benson also played well with Middlestat and Greenway last night because if he is going to be a fixture in this team, he can go on any line, it looks like. He was playing a lot of ice time with Thompson and Skinner throughout training camp. And then these past couple of games, he's been with Middlestat and Greenway a lot, and he's been producing with Middlestat and Greenway as well. I'm excited with Zach Benson being here as a nice little additional piece for a Buffalo offense that didn't quite ask for this. But it's certainly going to take it. If it looks like what it looks like, I'm very excited. I mean, you can mix it around with your top nine. Peyton Krebs is an animal, by the way. Peyton Krebs is a guy that I really do think... Paul Hamilton said it with us last week. He should be a guy that would get middle six role a little bit more prominence offensively on another squad. There's just no room for him here on the center lines because of Thompson, Cousins, and Middlestat. But guess what? He instead here decides he's going to just go goblin mode, put a smackdown on Chris Letang, and then force Sidney Crosby, of all people, to throw hands. Peyton Krebs is the irritant that I didn't expect And he needs to be rewarded with some power play time, please. Uh, The guy is talented. He's a gifted passer. And while the advanced stats will always show very favorably with him, Gergensons, and Oposo, I do also want to see what he could do with someone other than Gergensons and Oposo. There's just no room, and and he's just not as good as a winger. Man, this Sabres team. But if there's injuries down the middle, guess what? Peyton Krebs is going to be elevated just like that. If Victor Olafson is your biggest question mark on the 12 forwards here, you take that and run. Take that and run it right up to the counter and say, I'll take it. If Olafson and Jost are fighting for your 12 forward spot, the depth is in a great place. You've got availability of call-ups. Matt Savoy is probably going to get his nine games because he's still up here with the team. The forward court is stacked in an insanely hilarious way that you can't help but not feel excited. I don't know what else to expect from this team, but I do know that it better be as entertaining as it has been the year prior or the last couple years prior when it comes to offensive prowess. Of course, defensively, you got to hold things a little bit better. Because that was your Achilles heel last year. It affected your goaltending. And you're really starting to see maybe it wasn't like, oh, UPL bad. It was just defense worse. If they can clean it up a little bit, and if Devin Levi can do as hyped to be and steal you a couple more games, it should translate to breaking the playoff drought that is the longest in NHL's history. Time to get connected with our fans. It's brought to you by Northtown Kia. Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at NortownKia.com. We'll head out to the phones here and get Luke in Rochester. Luke, welcome to Sports Talk Saturday.
1: Hi, Derek. Thanks. I've got a couple of points on the Sabers and a couple on the bills. Um, I think that Zach Benson is a beast. Like you said, he's man. He's already proven that he can score. He has excellent <clears throat> hockey sense, intuitive and he can finish, I think he'll be here more than the nine games that you mentioned. If he plays on the first line and gets power play time, I think he's going to score 25 to 40 goals based on what he's been doing in the preseason type of skills he has. I'm not as high on Greenway. I I find it a little bit infuriating that Granado keeps trying to fit him in, in the top six type of role, even top nine, I think he'd be a pretty good player because of his defensive skating ability and his size on the fourth line. I know he had that nice assist last night, but Benson finished that, and he doesn't possess those types of offensive skills on a regular basis. So hopefully uh, Granada can see the light with Greenway. It's just annoying to see him try to fit him in spots that doesn't belong. Now, I I share your um, um, uh, questioning of Dorsey. Somewhat he has been puzzling with the way he's been using Kincaid. I think Bruce Nolan's right, where he's using him like a safety valve of sorts. Kincaid has converted, though and Greg Cosell said those are important plays where he gives those six, seven yards. But he has immense talent. He's, he's better than Laporta. I like Laporta a lot. Ben Johnson is using Laporta <clears throat> very effectively with deeper roots. Somehow Dorsey is giving those roots to Knox. I don't know why. Should be giving them to Kikade. I'll be watching that, but I'm getting the same kind of irritation that you are with Dorsey, just on that alone. And finally, I I know you tempered zeal with the team, and they are doing well. Um, As long as Allen stays healthy, (laughs) they're going to continue to perform well. But the, the failures, the playoff failures really are at McDermott's doorstep. He's four and five. He's really been poor in, in, in the playoff losses. The 13 seconds is an abomination that should never have occurred, and he meddled in that, both with the squib kick and the two defensive timing out. I, I don't know how he lost that game. The same thing could be said with the uh, Texans' game, where it's third and 18 in overtime. Around the 20-yard line, Texans have it. Bills can't stop at third and 18. If there's no gain on that play, they'll get the ball back around a 50-yard line, likely kick a field goal, win that game. In Kansas City, the first game, the championship game, he goes in, settles for three field goals, and then gets demolded. he turtled. And then last year, against Cincinnati, I can't put a lot... I would blame on him for last year's game because the snow is a definite factor. Can't run full speed on slippery snow. However, he did use one of his timeouts in a weird way. <clears throat> I think the Bills were down in the third quarter by maybe two scores. The fans were in a frenzy. It wasn't as loud as it was in that third and ten play. He calls a timeout, defuses home field advantage. Doesn't get loud again. Cincinnati usually converts. I, I wouldn't. Just... I wouldn't
0: worry too much about the Cincinnati one there, Luke. Uh, more or less because they got dominated in all facets of that game. Um, it was a team that was mentally exhausted. They had just watched everything happen with Demar Hamlin. It really was a tough time for them last year to get through the postseason the way that they did yeah the coaching failures in the postseason have been there however we can't say anything about that until the post season arrives again that's when the conversation for that unfortunately can be uh brought back up but for now we have to table that as for Benson the Sabres Greenway everything of, of those points Luke Ben, I don't know about 40 goals. That would be historic, but like it'd basically be the Jeff Skinner arc where a player outside of the top 10 makes the opening day roster and then threatens for 40 goals. I don't see that happening right away, but I do see a guy that puts up, say, Sam Reinhart production, maybe. Anyone want to take that? Yeah, I like that. I like that. You like that? I like that. It's the fact that he's been able to play well with multiple lines and already have a bit of an established chemistry that is very exciting to me there. As for Greenway, my question becomes this. If you think he's a fourth-line player, who are you elevating? It's not going to be Krebs. Krebs is a center. It's probably not going to be Gergensen's. He doesn't have the offensive touch. And it's probably not going to be a Poso, he's a well-balanced player that has his role set a responsible player that can chip in occasionally, but at the same time plays on the opposite wing that greenway does. Greenway probably might rotate out every now and then as a healthy scratch. But if this team is fully healthy, I should add, but again, I think he's going to be a nice fit. I think that if he's got third line minutes, so to say, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because he looks like he's getting along with Casey Middlestead. He looked really nice last night, in particular, along with Benson. And he does possess a bit of size at the forward core that this team does overall lack. And a and a presence in the middle, a net front net front presence that would allow for Middlestead and Benson, if that's the line, to really thrive on the edges. And I think that it's also that he's finally a little more comfortable. He just only was acquired last year. Heck, the last, the first time that Greenway stepped foot in Buffalo last season, he was a part of the Minnesota Wild in what was a crazy game, the 6'5 overtimer. He would join the team later that season. So he hasn't had a full year here yet. And that's when you could really start speaking the language to me of, does this player fit in the uh, in the team? Does this player fit within the system? Does this player fit as a fixture for your bottom six? I say what I've seen from him, there is a lot of promise. I'm not ready to bury him in here and I don't think anyone else should be either. Like I said, my biggest question mark is Victor Wolfson, not just for not for his scoring prowess though. Man could put up goals like there's no tomorrow on a team that scores goals. Goals are good. The end. Problem is, he's also a defensive black hole when it comes to doing anything for his team in in his own end. What has improved with Olsen, though? Five-on-five scoring. He's a lot better, as of late, producing five-on-five. He's not using the power play as basically his only crutch for scoring. He is chipping in within regulation. And he's chipping in at even strength. That is huge. And if we could see that again from Olsen, and maybe even get a little bit of a improvement overall in the defensive zone, hey, I'll take it. But I think Olsen's also keeping the seat warm for Jack Quinn, as everyone else would think. Quinn's got the shot. He's got the chemistry with Paterka and Cousins. You know Olsen's keeping that seat warm. Skinner, Thompson, Tuck, (laughs) what else do you got to say about that? Let's drop the puck. That's what I would say. But in the the next segment, we'll go a little bit deeper on the Sabres here and get into the big question mark about this team, and it is the defense. Of course, you have three first-round picks on that squad that you drafted, and you have two number one overall picks that you drafted. How bad could it be, really? Well, I mean, we already know that it's not great. And how much better can this team be? 803 551 550 If you're on hold, stay there. We'll have Bills talk. We'll have Sabres talk. We've got your calls. Whatever you want to talk, to, talk about with us, we've got you. Sports Talk Saturday rolls on on WGR.
1: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward.
0: Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. And that pass into a crowd, including Crosby and Jost. Krems with a hit. First... Crunch of the game, in behind the Penguins goal, and then Crosby comes over to give it to Krebs. Crosby's going to drop the gloves with Peyton Krebs, and down they go quickly. Man. Peyton Krebs is just going to be my favorite goblin on this team that is already going to be fun and exciting and No offense to Peyton Krebs, but if I got to make a trade of, hey, guess what? Um, Sidney Crosby's sitting in the box for five minutes and we're losing Peyton Krebs. Guess what? Sabres win that trade. They win that exchange. And if that's the game Peyton Krebs is going to play this year, I am so excited. But then I'm also terrified when they play Toronto because of Ryan Reeves. Um, So good and bad for everything. This is Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer... Tanner Saunders, we're here with you for the next hour and change here on WGR, talking about the Sabres forward core in the last segment, and I am super excited about this team. We are five days away from Buffalo Sabres regular season hockey, and I th- we we played this uh, uh, we played this game a couple episodes now where. Um, Josh and I would bring up some some fun sweater numbers for you and uh, of course number 5 hey Tony Lidman that's probably one of the more um modern day ones that everyone seems to like i mean i'm looking at the board here it says Spacho man days and that was from yesterday obviously 6 i wish we still had that song in the archive Spacho man that was a uh, that was an oldie goldie and if anyone has that, please send it to us on Twitter at kramer 49 at WGR550. But here's some other nice notable names for you for uh, for your number five days away. Uh, Mike Ramsey, days away. Mike Ramsey was an awesome player for the Sabres back in the 80s and early 90s. Jason Woolley. Jason Woolley, obviously, he of he the goat head jerseys. Uh, Jason Woolley, days away. Um... Chad Ruedel, he was a fun little thing that happened for a couple of years. During as the Sabres playoff drought has been here. Um, Craig Muni. Craig Muni. Good player. Damn good player. And then some of your more obscure ones, like uh Andy Delmore, Jeff Gilson, um uh, Matt Tennyson. Ugh. Man! There are also some really bad players to remember on this on this list. Uh, It's like the Sabres have been bad for a little while. But tomorrow is four days away. Tanner, you know of any good uh, Sabres number fours that can can be said for tomorrow?
1: Oh, they better have been in the last, like, two seasons, because that's about as far back as my Sabres knowledge goes. The last several
0: seasons with the number four is probably as bad as it gets. As a matter of fact— Number four is actually terrible until the year 2011. Here's your list going from most recent to uh, to the 2012 season. Here they are. Jeremy Davies, um, Will Butcher, Taylor Hall, yeah, that one, um, Zach Bogosian, Josh Georges, first-line defensive pairing Josh Georges, may I say, Nothing against Josh Georges in the career that he carved out, but he was definitely misused here. Uh, Jamie McBain and Joe Finley. Of course, when the Sabres had a playoff team, uh, it was Steve Montador wearing the number four and Mike Weber having himself a, a piece of that number four as well before he just went on to number six. So there's your Sabres recent jersey history. Better number fours for you. Rhett Warner, Mike Wilson, um, Alexei Zitnik had it for a year. UA Krupp. Jeremy Korab. So there's your your more notable number fours. um, None of them in recent history. (laughs) As of recent, all number fours have uh, been uh, bad. So that's okay. That happens. They all can't be winners. But... We are getting nice and close to some Buffalo Sabres regular season hockey. Now the big thing is this. How good can they be defensively? You brought in Connor Clifton. You brought in Eric Johnson. And and that was it. And unfortunately, that's going to look like it's going to be the same old problem. The Bills were kind of showing me over there in that first game that there's going to be some same old problems. Things like, you know, I don't know. Maybe things can be better. Clifton has definitely looked shaky on the on pair one with Dalene. And if you do have to change things up, that's perfectly fine. Rasmus Dalin is capable of playing both sides and does well with Matias Samuelson. If you have to go ahead and finally like, and if you have to move things around, Samuelson go up with Dalin again. Maybe that is the play that you have to make. And if Clifton can't cut it with Darlene then that's just something you're going to have to be forced to do but I can't be convinced that Eric Johnson even at this stage of his career is not an upgrade from Ilya Labushkin like that is absolutely it has to be Eric Johnson's going to be an upgrade there at the sixth spot and if things start off with Samuelson and Eric Johnson there on the third pairing, that does help things a lot. That does help things in a considerable way. It's just going to be a matter of what. Uh, <laughs> I, I've got uh, I got a tweet saying, uh, by the way, uh, Jerry King Kong Korab. I misread it. I think I said Jeremy, or I just didn't speak clearly enough. Did I say? Yeah, I thought I said Jerry, but maybe I just said it weirdly. Either way, thank you. Um, I can't say this Twitter handle, though, because I like my job. (laughs) So thank you for the tweet. I'm still worried about the defense, but I'm not as worried because even with a porous defense, this Sabres team was one spot, one win out of a playoff spot last year. One win, one point. If they can still be the high-flying team that they were last year, It's not only just fun for us, it's fun for TV execs. Who doesn't like more goals? Who can't sell more goals? Uh, The NHL could absolutely not sell their product, being exciting. (laughs) But my main point here being, I'm stoked. I'm, of course, going to be wary about how these defensive additions might not be enough. But if you do need to make a trade within the season, good news. You have a bevy of prospects. You have Kulik and Rosine both sitting there in Rochester. Those are guys that are going to be next man's up. You have Kisikov. You have Noah Ostland. You still have forward depth beyond your imagination. That could be used as prospect pools to help you get yourself a bigger time defenseman if the need does present itself. Even more so than it did last year or all throughout this offseason. And I think that goaltending is going to be fine if the defense can help steady up. I'm not worried about overusing Devin Levi. And I do think that this team probably goes ahead and they carry the three goaltenders again. I don't love the prospect, but at the same time, it may just be a rotation like that. I'm not scared of putting UPL or Comrie in that for game's if only just so that you don't overextend your new leading netminder in Levi. I'm excited to see what the heck happens here as we are five days from the NHL season for the Buffalo Sabres. It's time to get connected with our fans. It's brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at nortonkia.com We go to Pat. Pat, welcome to Sports Talk Saturday.
1: Hey, how are you? Not too bad about yourself. Not bad, thanks. Um, yeah. You know, so anyway, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Bills fan down here in the New York City area, but um, I went to college up in Oswego. Mm-hmm. But um, so there, were all the Jets fans are amazing. The um, the U-turn they've done on Zach Wilson, and uh, this guy down here on the radio was like talking about how the the, the uh, you know he's making his picks. Joe Biden oh, and and the Bills are going to go over there. This is a letdown game. And I'm like, no way. I don't think that's going to happen here. I think Josh is really – I mean, I think, I think they maybe could have had a letdown game if they had beat the Jets, but I think they still have that sting in them. And I do think – I think they're going to go over there and do what they got to do uh, to come out of here with this W.
0: Yeah, no, Pat, it, it's, it's looking like almost they're still mad that they lost to the Zach Wilson Jets in week one. It's like they're taking all their frustrations out on these last three opponents, and it's like, no, we're still great. You guys are writing us off. We just tripped over ourselves. It's okay. It was our fault. We can admit it. And now we're going to show you that that was our fault by going ahead and dominating everyone else. And I think that it really does play a little bit into it. It's like sometimes you need that wake-up call. You know how great you can be. And then you just go, hey, still the NFL. Don't forget. And usually when that happens to this Bills team in the regular season, They respond. The last time I could really think of is that Hal Murray game where Arizona walks off like they won the Super Bowl and the Bills went, what if that was us losing the Super Bowl? And that was the mindset that they put in and didn't lose again until the AFC Championship game. When they were unfortunately outgunned, outmatched, and just it was a better roster that the Chiefs had than the Bills. The gap was still there. Buffalo did then, at least in terms of talent, close that gap a little bit. But now they just need to do it in January. That's going to be a long countdown for us. That's going to be agonizing. Like, we're ready for that. Like, I'm ready for Saber season. That's only five days away. That's palpable. That's next week. I can start making plans about that game. I can't make any plans about the Bills in January yet. One, so that I don't curse them. But most importantly, two, it's still a while's out. We still have a lot of football to get to. We still have a lot that has to be determined throughout the coming months. But, yeah, no, I think that the Bills, as you said, Pat, like, yeah, you didn't expect to lose that game the way that you did. But I also think that that means that this is a team that they know how to respond to those things. And they're one of the best teams in the regular season, point bank, period. 803 0551, 888 552 550. We've got more Sports Talk Saturday for you on the other side. We take a break, we come back, and usually the five-minute segments have nonsense in them. Or the booty cheek of the week. the booty cheek of the week and we've got our prestigious award this week and i'm gonna go with jim ursay why am i going with jim ursay because the colts signed jonathan taylor to a three-year contract that gives the running back a little bit of stability here three years 42 million including 26 and a half million guaranteed that makes taylor eligible to play on sunday of course obviously It also makes him one of the league's highest paid running backs, which is something that you should have done. And it makes your comments, Jim Ursay, from the preseason, seem even more stupid than they were before. Like, how do you go ahead and publicly say something like, nobody's going to remember Jonathan Taylor if he's not playing in the league? And it's like, you're going to actively and openly diss your best player live to the media and for everyone to hear that. It's not the fact that you have an issue or you're trying to negotiate hard or you're saying, no, we don't want to pay you X amount of dollars. It is the fact that you're working, A, with a rookie quarterback contract, B, that rookie quarterback needs the support, and C, Jonathan Taylor is your best player. And D, you also have a history of of publicly knocking your best player. The Andrew Luck saga where Ursay publicly calls out how Luck is doing with his injury issues that would ultimately cause him to retire before he could really get everything going. And it's unfortunate for him, lucky for the Bills that there was no added obstacle with Andrew Luck leading the Colts. The Colts already put a scare in the Bills in the 2020 postseason with Phillip Rivers there. The Colts would have been a problem with Andrew Luck there. But no, Jim Mercer goes ahead and constantly likes to irritate his best players. Oh no, you hate to see it. Now that said, the Jonathan Taylor contract extension, three years, $42 million, $26.5 million guaranteed. I am slightly bummed. I would have loved to see the NFL trade deadline where everyone's saying, hey, the Bills should trade for Jonathan Taylor. Well, guess what? That's not happening anymore. And it wasn't happening anyway. James Cook is seventh in the league in rushing through four games. He's been a very good Bills player. He's been a key to this offense. No, the Bills should trade for Jonathan Taylor. We don't have to hear that anymore, guys. We're good. We are good. We don't have to hear the football version of Pat Kane to Buffalo. Bills should trade for X running back. We're good. We don't have to hear it this time. Man, I, 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 I do miss being able to make fun of that that um that storyline of Bills should trade for the best running back that's available. Bill should sign the best running back that's available. No, they don't. They still haven't had to. They're one of the best offenses in the league and they don't need that. Still don't. It's okay. You can admit it. It's fine. But now we don't get to make fun of that. So RIP to that uh, to that narrative with Jonathan Taylor signing long-term, or at least not long-term, longer-term. Uh, he gets a three-year deal. And I think for a running back, that's as good as it's going to get. I am happy, though, that Taylor did get that contract extension because he is one of the best backs in the league, and it's a Colts team that can afford to do it. Anthony Richardson's on a rookie deal. And that public squabble and hearing that from the team's owner is just garbage. It's garbage. Now time to uh, to flip it a little bit here as uh, I, 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 pull a, uh, I pull a morning show here and I'm going to take a call from Mike in Buffalo before we go to the break. Mike, welcome to Sports Talk Saturday.
1: Hey, how you doing, guys? Thank you for my call.
0: Yeah, no problem. What you got?
1: Uh, I was wondering about your opinion if Von Mills is playing tomorrow. I mean, that'll be amazing. That'll be helpful, you know, helpful uh, for the Bills. But um, yeah, I know, I'm just wondering. I uh, can't you know, wait until tomorrow. All these fans, you know, they're pumped up at 9:30 a.m. Uh, do you think we're gonna win or do you think we're gonna lose? I mean, how, what, what, I mean, I don't see no screen passes. All I see is special teams. I just wanted to. Speak about the, you think about that,
0: Mike? I appreciate the call. Um, overall, I'm confident in this team. Like I'd mentioned earlier in the show, there's no team that does the regular season like the Buffalo Bills. Uh, when you have a monstrous point differential like this, you tend to tell teams what they really are. Jacksonville's still trying to figure it out. Overall, they became this nice little darling at 10 seven last year, winning the AFC South, stealing it away from the collapsing Titans. And I do think that the Jaguars are still trying to figure it out. Playing the Falcons last week helped, but the Bills are a much better defense than Atlanta is, and you're going to have to deal with that. Even without Travis White, the Bills are still at least a top ten defensive unit in the NFL, and that's not easy to over that's not easy to overcome. And you also have to keep up with the Bills' offense, that looks like it's figuring things out. Game by game, it has been figuring things out and being a little bit more consistent. I'm definitely a lot more comfortable with Buffalo facing Jacksonville than I was with Buffalo facing Miami. And I would still even say that after the results. Like, yeah, the Bills put Miami to task. I still feel a lot more confident about them playing Jacksonville than I do about them playing Miami. Miami's still going to be one of the bigger threats that the Bills have, Kansas City's going to be one of the bigger threats that the Bills have. Jacksonville's getting there, they're not there yet. That's where I would say that that goes. As for Von Miller, team hasn't said he's out for this game. They've announced Greg Rousseau out. They've announced Shaq Lawson questionable. They have not announced anything with Von Miller, which means that he might be on a snap count but able to make his debut. And I'm excited to see if he does play because that takes a strong Bills pass rush and makes it stronger. We'll see what they've got. But overall, when it comes to more in-depth analysis of this game, I'm on tomorrow at 6 a.m. I'll be talking Bills all morning. Um, Not to skirt it off or anything, but like there's plenty more to get to about this game. And I'll have three hours and Zach Jones to help me do that. Sal Capaccio obviously will be there with his portion of Countdown to kick off as everything goes on tomorrow morning as well. So it's not three hours from me, but you know, two and a half, I think, two, two hours, two hours. Anyway, I'm making that point way longer than it has to be. There's plenty to get into and dive into with this game, and I'm excited to do so. I just know that we don't have as much time in this show to get into all of the nitty-gritty about the Bills. But if you want to listen back on some of the thoughts, some of the questions, I talked to Bruce Nolan earlier in the first hour of our show today. You can always listen to that. On our website at WGR550.com. When we come back, we do that thing where we go around the league. We play that horrific trombone champ when the Denver Broncos play. I mean when the uh, worst game of the week comes in. Maybe I gave it away. Maybe I didn't. Who knows? You're going to have to find out when we come back on WGR.